football fans on this dreary winter weekend, which is very good for watching movies. Uh, hi, Carl. How are you? I'm well. I'm dry. Everything's wonderful. Good. We had real snow this week for the first time. Yay, snow. We'll welcome our guest, Alex McPherson, here in a moment. Around minute three, we'll talk about The Little Things on HBO Max. Around minute 23, Supernova. Around minute 30, St. Maud. Around minute 39, we'll revisit The Dig. Around minute 44, Palmer with Justin Timberlake. Around minute 48, Rock Camp, the movie. Around minute 54, Malcolm and Marie. Around one hour and one minute, Come Play. And around one hour and five minutes, we'll remember Chloris and Sicily. Well, we have a special guest Alex McPherson. He is a wonderful movie reviewer and he is writing for my site, poplifestl.com. And he's going to take over uh, the social media promotions for that site. Mm -hmm. And his, his, uh, his, his take on movies is really awesome. And not just as a young person, but just as a old soul reviewer because he knows his movies hi alex oh hello <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> sure he used to write for the truman uh, student newspaper carl ah so he yeah, that's uh is that uh truman is that truman state yes and and uh good Kirksville. old Kirksville. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that used to be what was it what it was the name of it beforehand it was like um, north northwest I think northeast. yeah maybe yeah northeast Missouri state I think Nemo okay. yeah Okay cuz the one that uh Kathleen Turner and John Goodman went that's southwest Missouri state and that's no longer that that's name. that's Missouri state and Brad Pitt is from Springfield Right but he didn't but go he there no, he went to Mizzou. He yes, was on. He he grew up in Springfield. The Mizzou, the the uh, the Bears. The Bears is that town in Springfield. All right. Well, he was at Kickapoo High School, Missouri he, State, which yeah, used to be and, in Southwest Missouri State. Right. SMS. Well, well, Brad was on the Men of Mizzou calendar <laughs> when he was at Mizzou. Well then. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. I was looking up uh, fun facts uh, for about local people. Oh, I know. A friend of mine had seen Brangelina in person, and everybody was asking her what that was like, and she said it was otherworld. They were otherworldly. Mm. <laughs> well, he's from Springfield, Missouri, you know. So yeah, but Alex went to Kirksville, so that yes. has nothing to do with Springfield. That's the exact other side of the state. Okay. And, and Alex, we have to ask the high school question. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Kirkwood High School. Ah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we're happy to have you, Alex. And uh, we Thank look you. forward to your contributions. We have a lot of new releases this week, even for the end of January, Carl. And I saw two of them. I'm so impressed with myself. Well, that's good. And then uh, Kent... My colleague in the Webster Kirkwood Times, he reviewed Rock Camp this week because he said it's in theaters. Uh, it so, is, but um, I don't know if it's in St. Louis, but it is. I, I saw Rock Camp as well. Yeah. So I thought, well, you can talk about that. Uh, so the first movie is one that we've all seen. So we should talk about that. The Little Things on HBO Max for the next 30 days. People need to understand about HBO Max. 
Warner Brothers is releasing all of their first release films on HBO Max and theaters for the first 30 days. So if you do not like you can't see Wonder Woman 1984 anymore on HBO Max, that's over. So if you want to see the little things, you have the entire month of February to watch it. But then it's not it's going to be in theaters again. I don't know why they decided to do this, but that's just how it's going to be for 30 days so for 30 days you get to see it and that's how i watched it lynn lynn got to be special and watch it before the rest of us but that's okay well the the critics choice association we vote on february 5th so we are being inundated with links this is like the second round of the uh award season right because everything the critics voted for in 2020 that's like over. over and then now we're having the new movies that they're touting for oscar that these, will affect yeah these would have been the movies that were released at chris on christmas day for the week in new york and los angeles yeah i'm not sure a serial killer movie would be that that uh, fun for christmas but, but no what, but that's not that's not the story and i don't right. think you're going to be voting even though this has three best actor award winners you're you're not voting anything for little things no no i don't think so at all and uh i will tell you i watched it twice what why yes because i thought maybe i'm missing something you You know because i was not satisfied with this film and i thought well maybe i need to but i will say jared leto's character is so creepy as the prime suspect and let's talk about the the plot of this it's a psychological thriller one that's supposed to get in your head but john lee hancock the director and the writer wrote it 30 years ago set it in 1990 and kept it there now now that is okay so john lee hancock he has a very good pedigree of movies that he has done written produced and directed and so this movie has to play take place in 1990 because nobody has cell phones yet and there is that is something that i do disagree with even though people in 1990 did not have cell phones police still had radios (laughs) Even yeah. detectives, mm-hmm. they all they knew where officers were at any and especially in Los Angeles. But that is that is the problem with uh, little things. The, he figures that if he ma- sets it in 1990, then no one's going to have cell phones. But police still did have radios. I, it's it's something that bothered me. That it was the second thing, because, you know, Lynn, stupid when they set stuff in a time period, I just. I can't stop help but looking for things that don't belong in that time period, like the first Vic. Well, not the first victim, the first victim we see the no doubt poster on her fridge. Uh, No doubt. We're not huge until 1992. And in 1990, there's no way that she would have had a poster. A hooker would not have had a poster of no doubt on her refrigerator. Right. Alex, that's what he is good at. He is good at like uh, the soundtrack to the nice guys. He was pointing out what songs weren't even around when that movie is set. So you and go I to love Carl. the nice guys. Wow. Yeah, you I go to the Carl. But, yeah. I, hey, but but they did have some good like Goodfellas was on a poster as they're driving down the freeway. And I said, wow, that 
that is in time and that is in tune. And the music they were listening to on the radio, well, of course, they're listening to an oldies station, so it doesn't matter. But like the girl at the very the very first in the cold open, as it were, she's listening to Rome by B-52s. That was a big hit in 1990 because the album came out the year before. So, yeah, yeah, that was right. The opening scene is great. I was like, oh, my God, this is a good opening. And then, uh, okay, so Denzel Washington plays a uh, sheriff in sleepy Kern County. That's where Bakersfield is. So it's dusty, rural, uh, agricultural. And he is there being a sheriff's deputy. And he comes back to L.A. to get a piece of evidence. And he runs into terry kinney as captain carl his old boss and it's not a friendly welcome back it's kind of it's kind of uh why are you here right and so there's a big backstory to him but we only get little doses of it we don't get very much which drove me crazy but in six months time he had a triple bypass a divorce and suspension so he gets. Uh, did, do, they, do they say suspension or do they just say he left the force? No, they say suspension. Uh, that's Terry Kinney. Terry Kinney, by the way, as an aside, uh, he was my college classmate at Illinois State. Yay for state schools. <laughs> well, uh, the, his captain in Bakersfield is Glenn Morshauer from 24, who played the uh, uh, Secret Service agent for like many, many series of 24. He was Aaron Pierce. And then he was also he's been also in the uh, Transformers series because there, you know, we're talking about the big three with Denzel, Rami and Jared. But there are a lot of other little players in this movie. Natalie Morales plays. Uh, I don't Is she his partner or is she just a detective on the LAPD? It's yeah, just, it's, it's, yeah. Just, it's, oh, not it's clear. LASD, by the way. It's LASD. It's not the LAPD. It's the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department because they're sheriffs, not officers. And they yeah. still had radios. Uh, the guy, the the cop that uh, does go for coffee with him, he's a good character actor. And he's one of the guys on the scene. Um, and I just forgot his name. It's Chris. Chris. Bauer. Yeah, Chris Bauer. He's in everything. But yeah, and he was on The Wire. Yeah, he's he's really good. And, you and know, so he was a, on street. He was in Streetcar on Broadway, Lynn. Ah, he was. Um, so it's got, like you said, it's got a good cast. Uh, Rami Malek plays a hotshot, very slick, by the book L.A. detective. His and, stars rising. He, right. They love to put him on TV. And I guess this was Denzel's job. Uh, Denzel's character Deke is a great profiler. So he gets obsessed with this because that's why it's called the little things. He gets obsessed with this case and it is a fascinating series of events, but the director dances around it. It's not typical criminal procedural story. I will once Jared Leto gets there, I think it's like a half hour in. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like an hour in. Yeah. The first time. Or yeah, maybe we see him earlier, but no, we we don't see we see him like in passing when when yeah. Denzel goes to canvas some of the uh, places. We see him, we see the back of his head, and then we see his profile for like a half a second. But he doesn't speak at least for an hour. 
That's right. I think I wrote that down when I was taking notes, watching it. Like he shows the up the second like time. Yeah, well, he shows up that long, but he they have put prosthetic nose on him. They have given him different color. I, they have uh, his hair is really stringy, and he has a stare that will just burn holes in people. And his character is Alec. Um, is uh, no, it's Albert Sparma. Weird yeah. name. Yeah. But and he wears his uniform up to his neck and he has a weird gait when he walks. He's just a very odd person. And so they think he is uh, the prime suspect and he decides to start toying with their heads. And this is where he's having fun and they're not. So this movie was since we, you know, said it was it's been sitting around for 30 years. Um it was written in 1993 and it was supposed to be a Spielberg movie with Clint Eastwood in the Denzel role. And hmm. uh, Danny DeVito and Warren Beatty were supposed to be a part of this. And so it's just been, it's been brewing for a long time. Yeah. Well, because of this, I found out John Lee Hancock wrote a perfect world, which is actually a non typical Kevin Costner film. And it was directed by Clint. So well, he did he did the Hollywood Highwaymen two years ago. And yeah. he, he did Saving Mr. Banks. He wrote the blind side. He wrote the rookie. So he has done he uh wrote Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And he did the founder, which I that Michael Keaton movie about Roy Kroc or Ray Kroc. Right. So uh so Alex, what do you think about uh, how the director's vision was for this film? I mean I found a lot of enjoyment in the little things, but um, yeah, like you were saying, I feel like the story goes a bit off the rails at the end. I think the ending just kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, with and, with uh, with or, don't the, spoil the, with the reveal or with the uh, everything. <laughs> well, more like the movie is focusing on one character then it kind of switches to a different one and reveals a lot of information that um, doesn't seem to fit what that character has been established as previously. So um, it just was kind of surprising and not in like a good way, but it was entertaining, but it just, I couldn't take it seriously after that <laughs> point. <laughs> because something, something in the last third of the movie just you know, they've been setting up for this slow burn and then all of a sudden it explodes. And yeah. then, and then you, you're not, you're normally in so, when something like that's going to happen, you're primed for it. You know, that it's going to happen. This one just comes out of nowhere and it is, it is, um, it's, it's not telegraphed and it's not expected. And sometimes that can be a good thing, but this one was just, well, why did that happen? I mean, it was kind of like, unintentionally entertaining to me but it's like it lost all of like the seriousness that had been established previously i think right well it comes to an unsatisfying conclusion because uh because we never do find out certain things that we should have found out why do um, why do you need but why do you need do they send that to you yeah they sent this to me <laughs> okay well well first lynn is lynn is actually holding up 
a prop since we can see each other, even though you Paul can just hear this. Lynn is holding up a prop from the film that I knew exactly what was going to be <laughs> that, you know, there's this piece of evidence that they're looking for. And I knew it was going to show up sooner or later. And it it just so happened to do it. Yeah. And they uh, uh, they they sent it to the uh, Critics' Choice Association members with a small evidence envelope. And you opened it up and that was it. So uh-huh. it's really it's creepy. It's a creepy aspect, but it makes no sense at the end. If you start thinking back to everything and uh, a Rami Malek's character, Jim Baxter, does something that no real detective would do <laughs> at the at the one crime scene. Yes. Which is which is why. OK, so when you're watching it on HBO Max, uh the as soon as it ends, it says, since you watch this, would you like to watch seven? And I said, wow, <laughs> that's a little on the nose. It does bear uh, some uh, um, resemblance to seven. But I also think to Manhunter, because remember how William Peterson's character got so obsessed mm-hmm. to the point of of uh, wrecking his mental health and i think denzel washington they allude to that is to he the wearing buck teeth in this i wondered about his teeth <laughs> <laughs> i i don't know but you know denzel is just so lived in every time he does a character well so i you- think they did that to make him look older because there are flashback scenes where he looks 99 percent exactly the same <laughs> Yeah. And, and that, and so uh, to me, it's just a bad follow through. They just, uh, and, and it takes a while at first, you know, you're thinking, okay, when are we going to know something? When are we going to know? And it's taken this, this roundabout way, this roundabout way that drove me crazy. It t- it's two hours and two minutes before the credits and it feels every minute of it. Yeah. I was like, where did my day go? Like after I finished watching, like that was only two hours, but felt a lot longer. Yeah, I know. It, it's five minutes worth of credits, and it's just long. But one of the reasons I did like going back to to watch the beginning again, Why? I saw the guys. I just really thought I I you must thought be you missed missing. something. Yeah, I did. So I went back, but I am glad I saw the guy, the uh, uh, the beginning guy's boots. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but that, that was that, good. That's that's a MacGuffin. That it doesn't I know. Even matter. I know, but I was glad uh, to right. do that. But yeah, no, I'm just good. I only I gave it a B because I said the performances were worth watching. Are they I, though? Yeah, I I thought. Denzel was really good at least and I did really like his character and I kind of liked the slow burn approach but I I wish the film had been maybe less ambitious in its um less ambitious in its uh story delivery I guess in a way and had just narrowed the focus to Deke and his past because that was more compelling to me than the mystery that they were solving and, um, and and with Remy Malik's character, you get a little bit into his home life and you see the parallels that are going on, but you don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I felt some emotion with um, Denzel's character. And so 
I like the moments in the film where it kind of shows him unraveling, I guess, emotionally. And it has some interesting like um, cinematography and like editing that kind of weaves in his past at this present and stuff. And I wish that there was more of that in the film because a lot of it is just, it felt really standard kind of like David Fincher, but with a lot of unnecessary cuts when characters <laughs> are talking, it really distracted me. And well, then, that's John Lee yeah. Hancock's doing. Yeah, but it was entertaining and the ending just went off the rails. I mean, I'd probably give it around a B as well for that. It's fine. It, yeah. it, it's, it, it, it doesn't... This movie would have come out the last week of the year for because it because of the cast. And Lynn, you're right. Would you want to go see a serial killer movie the week of Christmas? Yeah, no, no. And, and I but, just yeah. It's very telling that it's actually coming out the last week of January when all the bad movies come out usually. Yeah, I just think it's uh, for for having three Oscar winners. Uh, we have, well, Denzel has two for Glory and Training Day, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, and Jared Leto as Best Supporting Actor in the Dallas Buyers Club. Now, he is really method in this. He is very They method. said they didn't hang out at all on set. And uh, it was yeah. Rami and Denzel and Jared just stayed away from him just to keep it creepy. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's good effort by them. I'm not sure M Rami Malik fit that part, but uh, uh, I think he and Denzel were believable as, a, as you know, they're, they're uh, getting together as a team and uh, they're uh, respecting each other's abilities, but not playing by the rules, you know? <laughs> That's one of those. And making stupid <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway but yeah no it's just um it, this would just be a throwaway movie if it wasn't for those guys yeah yeah i i thought it was funny that denzel kept saying that same phrase like it's the little things it's the little things like he said it like word for word like at two <laughs> different points of the movie i was like was that necessary? <laughs> yeah, the same let's, <laughs> let's hit it over the head. <laughs> I I will say, anybody squeamish, we do have some grisly crime scenes. Yeah, and and naked, weird naked, decap, well, not uh, weird naked stabbed corpses. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. All righty. Let's move on to uh, I. The only thing I saw next was uh, Rock Camp, but you guys can talk about Supernova because I hear it's wonderful. Um, okay, I'll uh, talk about that. Uh, Stanley Tucci, one of the great character actors, in uh, has had a long career, and he has only had one Oscar nomination for The Lovely Bones, in which he is downright chilling. Yeah, you're playing it. Another serial killer. Oh, but oh, so good. And that anyway, book is so much better than that movie. Yes, yes. Lovely Bones. So he's never been, I mean, the man should have a bunch of Oscar nominations and he only has one. Well, he's going to get one for Supernova because he vaults to front runner status. <laughs> Sorry, Paul Racy in Sound of Metal. But Stanley plays a guy with early onset dementia. But he's and, gay, so he's ticking right. off more than one box. Right. So uh, 
Colin Firth and a Stanley play a longtime couple, been together 20 years. This is another thing about these movies. They don't give you backstory. The writer director of this movie, Harry McQueen, his credits aren't that impressive, but he did a lot of research about dementia and it's, it's spot on in that regard for the story. But you don't know much about these guys. You know that Colin Firth is a pianist who has made records and gone on tour. Uh, you know that Stanley Tucci has written some books. I don't know if that is, is he an author or what? So they are, because he has early onset dementia, they have decided to get in their old camper van and go around England and visit their family, friends, and special places in their life together. Uh, They're in this tiny van. So there's a lot of bickering as old couples do. And then heavy talks about life because Stanley's character's getting worse. His name is Tusker and he's from America and he's getting worse. And Colin first character's trying to be a rock and, and there, but he has a lot of pain and anguish about the uncertainty of the future. There is a uh, plot twist that I can't talk about because it will ruin the movie for you. <laughs> and uh, that figures into it. But this is a movie where they are so good, but they are better than the script. And that's the same thing as, as little things. These guys are better than what the material is. And I think it's, it's a very simple movie, Supernova. Like you would think maybe it would have a little bit more oomph to it. But uh, that is, as they go around, you know, talking and, and meeting people, it's just heartbreaking to see Stanley's character realize what all he's going to be losing. So this is depressing as all hell. <laughs> well, the, one of the reviews I saw said it was made for BAFTAs. It might get some Oscar love, but it was made for the BAFTAs because it is a very British film. It is. And you know how they can't, you know how British people are. Uh, they tend to <laughs> be at, well, hey, my great grandmother came from Scotland and my great grandfather came from England. Oh, so, so you're allowed like, to say that. Yeah, I'm allowed to say it. And so uh, they, they're always at arm's length. They don't have those big, huge emotional scenes. You Stiff know. upper lip. Yeah, it's a stiff upper lip thing. And so when they're going around, you don't know too much backstory on them. It's a it's a simple script. They're complex characters. And I wish more would have come out about the characters. But that said, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci are wonderful together as this gay couple. You believe it. You know, there's a lot of talk in Hollywood about gays should play gays and not heterosexuals should play gays, vice versa. But they are very believable. And apparently they have been friends for 20 years, uh, very good friends. And so the fondness for each other comes through. Uh, that's very believable. Uh, Colin, I think right now is going through a divorce. And uh, Stanley, uh, her, his first wife died of cancer. And he remarried Emily Blunt's sister, who he met at the wedding of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Huh. And he has, uh, he has two little kids with uh, Emily's sister. I and forget he's got a name. CNN show where he goes around cooks 
Right. And that's coming up uh, February 14th. It's on CNN. It's like Stanley Tucci goes to Italy. And uh, on Twitter, there's this clip of him. He was on some talk show and he made a Negroni, a Negroni cocktail. And it became a Twitter sensation, Stanley making this cocktail. And he is known for his food. And uh, Chris Evans wrote on Twitter that Stanley used to make the martinis after Captain America in his dressing room. <laughs> and, and he said, uh, if you think how cool and witty and smart and something else about Stanley Tucci, you're half there. Oh. Yeah, so it was good. So it's a love fest for Stanley Tucci. I mean, he's going to get a lot of buzz because he's got a memoir coming out later this year. He's got the CNN show and then everybody loves his acting. And so he is, he is uh, really good in this. I mean, okay. it's not going to be one of these, we should throw him an Oscar because of his career. It's, he he's very good. But there's always this, this melancholy is just simmering the whole time in this movie. And if you know anybody with dementia or any family member who has dealt with a person with dementia, this is just a gut wrenching movie. Is it better than the father? Uh, yeah. no. I've heard a lot about the father and I really want to watch it. <laughs> I yeah. really enjoyed the father. I thought the father is a horror film. The father is very good. If uh, if Anthony Hopkins wins Best Actor, it's going to be for the final ten minutes of that movie. Yeah, and uh, Olivia Coleman is She's really great. good. But I think the father was a play first. It was, and it, it was by a, a writer that's a person of some consequence. And uh, I think this Harry McQueen means well, but I just don't know if he was the right person to. You direct it. Gotcha. Well, let's let's move on to Colin Firth's one of his uh, former girlfriends, who he starred with in Pride and Prejudice, is starring in a new movie called Saint Maud. And that's... I, 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 I'm I'm just trying to you know weave it all together. Yeah, that's good. Um, oh, oh, speaking. Of, okay. First of all, I, I've got to, I, I want to give some personal information about Stanley Tucci that I discovered during my research. Okay. He and Ving Rames were college roommates. Wow. Oh, okay. At, at, at SUNY uh, at Purchase. Another state school. Yay, Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, he gave him, he gave uh, Ving Rames his nickname Ving. Stanley Tucci's responsible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you should uh, be Ving. Yeah. And then just an aside, Colin Firth did go to junior high here in St. Louis. He did? Yeah. Didn't you ever hear that? Oh. When when the King's speech was going on, his dad was uh, uh, at Wash U. Ah. And I think he went to one of the parkways because yeah. when he, he was up he, for the he, Oscar... He said he lived in St. Louis when he was 11. He described it as a difficult time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, you know, you are awkward then. But I, mean, I wanted to throw that out there because I think fun fact, you know, interesting. Okay, so tell me, tell me about the movie you told me not to watch today. St. <laughs> Maud is um, very disturbing and unsettling film. 
It is uh, a tour de force for a debut writer-director named Rose Glass. It's set in London. This very lonely, uh, strange woman, young woman, is played by Morphid Clark, and she was in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yes. So we got the whole Pride that's, and that's Prejudice not the, thing. That's not the <laughs> former love of Colin Firth. Yeah, no. Uh, that's n there's nowhere that there's Colin Firth on a horse. Okay. <laughs> in this one. So um, she is a hospice nurse for a, a private hospice nurse for cancer patients. And she used to work at a, a, a hospital where something went horribly awry. So there's that in the back of your head. Ooh, more mystery. Yeah, well, this is a straight-up horror movie. I call it an unhorror movie. I saw one critic refer to it as First Reformed meets The Exorcist. So I will just put that out there as an apt description. Us Catholics know about self-flagellation, not yeah. that I've ever gotten to that point, but um, that is when people decide that they are going to harm themselves for spiritual discipline most people and know about it with um with uh paul bettany well, and the vinci code the, no not the vinci the angels and demons oh okay it was it was angels and demons and it was paul bettany and it was also um uh, even mcgregor and it was not it's it's gross and this i saw on the trailer what she's doing to her feet and it's disgusting oh yeah. oh that's the i had to look away i had to look away there's a couple times i had to look away i will say that it is rated r for disturbing and violent content sexual content and language uh the the two females are strong jennifer is it ailey or eiley uh she is the the uh, cancer patient and she and, used to date Colin Firth. And she is uh, the uh, daughter of the great Broadway actress, Rosemary Harris. And she's going to be in the Comey role. She was in the Comey role with Jeff Daniels on Showtime last year. Right. She's a great character actress. Okay. So she plays this, uh, this uh, cancer patient who was a dancer and choreographer and she's very artsy and she hangs out with artsy people and she's very demanding. And as she take as uh, Maud takes over as the caregiver, she asked the, the caregiver that's leaving what she like. And she said, she's a bit of a, the C word. Oh, good. <laughs> so right away you get this. So she wants to be, uh, she wants to save this woman's soul and she takes a shine to this woman, but this woman is very difficult and demanding and she mocks Maud uh, for her de devotion, her devout nature. And she thinks she's going to, uh, you know, save her. And Maud says, because you're lost. Well, Maud has, is losing her grip with reality. She thinks Jesus is her um, boyfriend. Uh, yeah. And she uh, starts doing weirder and weirder things. And apparently she used to be a rather slutty uh, young woman and she uh, turned to Jesus and she's very uh, 
devout and she has crucifixes everywhere and she's praying and she hears things and it goes down a road that you will find horrific <laughs> and, and there yeah and there's some uh, sinister forces at work here so we don't know if it has anything to do with her sinful past or if uh, who she thinks are angels are in, in fact demons to use angels and demons. So this movie's getting a lot of buzz because it's so stunning in its story. It's only an hour and 24 minutes and I was really happy with that because- <laughs> That's really short. I know, and, and the credits so, roll at one nineteen. Good, good horror movies can be nice and tight. Yeah, I will say it constant. It sticks to its lane, and uh, you don't know at times if these are real things or visions. But you get a you get a pretty good grasp of it. Uh, in the indie art house world, uh, this is getting great acclaim. I don't know. Did it get nominated for Spirit Awards? I'm not sure. I do not know. I uh, yeah, but it is definitely about obsession and isolation and depression. And I would not recommend watching it late at night like I did. <laughs> um, did it is it's nominated for uh, eight nominations in the London Critics Circle. So it's it's got the most nominations of any London film. So oh. Whoa. How does it fit in with the other A24 horror? Um, the A24 Midnight series? Or no, wait, that was... That's IFC. IFC. Like, is it, does it have, like, a lot of jump scares, or is it more, like, cerebral, like, something like Midsummer? It's more cerebral. It's more... Uh, Hereditary-like? Yeah, and it's, it's uh, you know, God sent me to save you kind of thing. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean it's 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 a good movie i'm just saying it's very disturbing and the images are not going to leave your head anytime soon and good. uh yeah so oh yeah let's see um uh there's one character her friend kind of illuminates like well we know you were stressed out and we know you struggled and so it's uh you see the scene in the beginning and that kind of tells you fits in what's happening but it's very interesting uh, uh mindset so yeah okay yeah all right well then let's move on to didn't we already talk about the dig oh i i, I did watch it by the way lynn well, see, I wanted uh, to alex to chime in but also to remind people it's on netflix now it's on netflix now What'd All you right, think? Alex, what'd you think of the dig? Well, I thought it was really beautifully filmed. I loved the cinematography and I loved the kind of like dreamlike flow it has, like with all like the wide angles and showing the characters kind of um, eventually kind of exploring like their past and like the meaning of their life by the end. So I really, I thought it was an interesting story. Um, I do think that the second half of the movie when it kind of goes really ambitious with its themes, it becomes a bit, uh, 
trite in a way, maybe a little bit too pretentious for its own good. Or there's a subplot with Lily James that I thought was really predictable. And I don't, yeah. I don't think it added much to the movie all in all, but it was definitely a movie that would be, I watched it on my phone, which is a real <laughs> disservice to it, but it would be a good movie to watch in a theater just for its visuals alone. And the acting by Ray Fiennes and Carrie Mulligan is great as expected. But I think it just gets a little um, heavy handed in its themes by the end. That's my main problem with it. Yeah, the subplot about um, the uh, when the pompous architects, uh, architects, archaeologists come in uh, and Ben Chaplin and the other guy are just, you know, uh, work colleagues and then poor Lily James is is digging in the dirt and discovering buried treasures but she's a girl so you've got that aspect they've got to show that you know she's a girl but my favorite part is Carrie Mulligan being so fiercely loyal to Ray Fiennes' character because he's a humble man. He's not educated or trained. And when the museum, snooty museum guys come in, they just want to dismiss his work and they just want to take over. And she is so steadfast in saying, nope, he's getting credit for this. And I really enjoyed that because uh, that made the story have some heart because who knew digging in the dirt would be so fascinating? I mean, you know, you're watching people dig. Uh, I believe Peter Gabriel knew that because he had a <laughs> song about it. <laughs> but the sh when they show the frame of the ship underground, that is a spectacular shot. And that's why I thought, oh, well, you know, this would be really good on big screen because of that shot. And I'm sorry you had to see it on your phone, but <laughs> your uh, phone. it was still but, impressive on my phone. So I think that's saying something. About yeah. It. Well, the fact that this is the biggest archeological find ever in England and the backstory to it is fascinating with these characters. And I like that the screenplay focused on the character relationships and the little boy is so good in this movie. And mm -hmm. it does, it has, it has the big uh, thing about life and time, the time that you have on earth and time, like they discover the sixth century thing. And it's like, what kind of impact are you gonna have in years later? And yeah, so anyway. We've talked about England a yes. lot today. We have, we have, we've had three movies set in uh england yeah. well let's talk about something american lynn did you get to see the apple tv premiere of justin timberlake's palmer well um i i have to preface this with uh, i just saw part of it because of my flat tire situation on mm -hmm. thursday and uh i meant to get back to it last night but then i realized my link for uh saint maude was gonna uh, end soon so i had to prioritize and then i was so disturbed after that but justin timberlake is one of those guys that i think is just likable yes. you're just gonna like him and you like him uh no matter what he does and here he plays an ex-con that was a big football star in high school and he gets out of prison and returns and he's not a person people want to be around. But June Squibb, the wonderful June Squibb, is his, I'm not sure. I haven't Grand watched. Grandmother. Yeah, grandmother. I knew it was his, his grandmother. 
I, I knew it was a mom, but uh, he, the, the focus is he establishes a relationship with this strange kid. And I don't really want to call him strange just because he's, he's a, a gender bending. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a little kid. He's a misfit and an outcast. And he likes dressing up in female outfits and everybody thinks he's strange. And he uh, becomes this kid's father figure. Mm-hmm. And uh, the real it's a uh, uh, writer. Alan is the boy. And it's a sweet little drama about family making your own kind of family. So it's directed by Fisher Stevens. I like yeah, Fisher Stevens. I do too. And I think he has a good eye because I think anybody that's a performer that directs a film will concentrate on the characters. So that's the thing with Apple TV. Apple TV does not have a lot of things, but they've been putting out quality things such as uh, the morning show or Ted Lasso, uh, Ted Lasso or um, the Bruce Springsteen album, which was really good letters. to What is it called? Letters, letters to you. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, Greyhound with Tom Hanks is really a good war movie. Really, really good. And also the the Sofia Coppola movie. Oh, On the Rocks, one of my favorites of the year. I love that movie. And so, Boy State, right? That's and, on there. Uh, yeah. Well, they picked up Boy State. They did. So uh, Apple TV, not a lot, but it's mostly quality stuff. Yeah, I think they'll start launching more. I think On the Rocks really helped put them on the map. Wasn't that a a, a, a twin deal with A24, though, too? I believe so. Yeah. Well, with the, with the pandemic, we now are used to things that were going to be on the big screen are now on the little screen. Mm-hmm. The new Billie Holiday movie that lee daniels did is going to be on hulu so i'm just saying that's a big you deal. liked palm springs that was on hulu i know but i'm just saying they decided- that was also an a24 deal yeah they're going oh, no with- no that was sorry that was neon sorry neon neon they're going with you know what i'm saying they're making these deals the streaming services are brokering big deals yeah they need they need content yeah, so that's yeah, going to be... I don't want to go to a theater, so I'm, I'm happy to watch it on streaming. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Nowadays. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're available. I really am. And some of them, some, some critic was mocking, like, uh, the big releases now have been shuffled to the end, of, more towards the middle to the end of the year now. And he's like, oh, great. I want to be on my couch watching more independent movies. I have found a lot of great films this year being yeah. perfectly fine on my tv screen exactly all right let's talk about the movie that kent saw and i saw it too because of my background in rock and roll radio i saw rock camp it's um it's about the rock and roll fantasy camp that has been around for nearly 25 years david fishoff he was he he didn't plan on doing this he was a sports agent and and excuse me he represented phil sims uh lou Pinella, and he was going to you know be an agent and then he think he saw he went to 
a baseball card signing. And he said, I wonder if I could do this with rock stars. And what do people that want to be rock stars want to do? They want to play with rock stars. And so he started rock and roll fantasy camp. And they, it started in 1997 and everyone made fun of it. And so they, he started like getting people to talk about it. There was an episode of the Simpsons where the Rolling Stones were on and they were all making fun of rock camp. And then people actually started to do it. And he said, every time that somebody would make fun of it, people would just call up and say, is this real thing? I mean, there's an episode of Ellen, Ellen's TV comedy show that she went to rock camp. Um, there's a Pawn Stars episode of rock camp. There's uh, <laughs> there's That's hilarious. Well, it's really funny because yeah. they're actual rock stars and like Roger Daltrey of the who uh, all the guys from kiss Aerosmith, Motley Crue, the aforementioned Rolling Stones, Brett Michaels, all these legendary rock and roll guys come in and do stuff. Guys from Guns N' Roses, Slash shows up. And because they enjoy doing it, it makes it fun. And there are people and there, there, are, there are very uh, heartwarming things because some some people are special needs and they can still even though they're special needs, they can still play the bass. And this is they do some kind of make a wish stuff with some people. And these are working at the radio station I worked at for 28 years. KC 95. I've seen a lot of these people, both rock stars and wannabe rock stars. And I felt very comfortable watching this movie. And it's a it's a good story. And they never say how much it costs, but you're treated like a rock star in Vegas. Now, I don't know what they're doing this year or last year because of the pandemic, because this was filmed two years ago. But I guarantee that David Fishoff is still going to make it happen one way or another, because I mean, about six thousand people have done this in the nearly 25 years that it's been going on. So I, I think it's going to continue. Well, I think it's a wonderful idea. And I, uh, you know, right in the eighties, uh, these uh, jocks started having camps where guy grown men would go and bond, uh, you know, with the, the bros. That's when those terms all started happening, male bonding right. and everything, because grown men would go to these, athlete camps and so rocks a camp is just an extension of that but that's a great idea i well, think it, the, the movie has alice cooper roger daltrey sammy hagar st louis is not really owned but own judas priest joe perry gene simmons paul stanley nancy wilson and, and those are just people that are like in the trailer there there are a lot dave mustaine from megadeth um i could just go on and on of people that i like joe walsh is in the movie for a little bit and it's men and women. They follow some some people for the course of the film. Like one woman did this the year before as a drummer. This year she wants to be a singer. So she doesn't know. She's got the whole, can I do this? I know I'm a good drummer, but can I sing? And it's basically it's master class. You know how everyone knows about master class now. This is master class with rock stars. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, uh, good. And uh, it's going to be on 
uh, Video virtual. Yeah, it's going to be on demand February 16th. Oh, by the way. Super but it's in theaters no now. Right. Supernova is in theaters now, but it will be video on demand February 16th. St. Maud is in theaters now, but will be on Epics starting February 12th. Wait, what? Epics? I have Epics. Yeah, so you can wait. you can watch self-flagellation. <laughs> will, will it be available to like rent in other places or do you have to be subscribed to epics to watch epics it? i think so but they're doing some big free trial right now epics is yeah so. but by the time that trial's over the movie won't be out yet <laughs> well also, but i mean you can set up ahead of time i think maybe also to bring it full circle malcolm and marie is out in selected theaters right now with denzel's son jd but it's going to be out on netflix next week so ha have either of you seen malcolm and marie i have uh oh <laughs> lynn i do not like the face you've made well i did a back-to-back -back washington's night okay. where i watched denzel first then malcolm and marie okay so netflix asked me my opinion and i gave it to them honestly so i'm going to give you guys my honest opinion now hold on now it's not just the Malcolm is J.D. Washington, former St. Louis Ram. And the Marie is the hot, hot, hot at the moment, Zendaya. Yes. And she's fabulous. I, I mean, she's just going to be uh, one of those supernova type of people. You know, they're just they just uh, are good at everything they do. Was she the youngest person to ever win a lead Emmy? Yes. OK. She's and I remember. My, I remember her. She was on Shake It Off with Bella, or I, I think that was Shake It Off with Bella Thorne on Disney Channel. And my daughter saw her sing for the Girl Scouts when they had their big Girl Scout national convention. And she came and sang. And it was, it was a big deal then. And so, and she's on Euphoria on HBO. She was in, uh, she was in the, uh, the greatest show she was in she was zach efron's girlfriend in the greatest show that's right i yeah. forgot about that uh she is and i said to you guys two years ago after i watched euphoria i go oh she is gonna be a big deal and you were like she's already a big deal <laughs> and uh but she is 24 john david washington is 34 they've made a big deal about them being a couple in this okay so let me tell the plot the plot is uh, it's written by the same guy that created and produces Euphoria, Sam Levinson. Okay. Okay. So this is a Hollywood director, J.D. Washington. He gets some award or he's honored. It's, oh, it's his movie premiere and he's honored. And Zendaya is his uh, girlfriend, Marie, the past five years. And they are put up, the studio puts them up in this beautiful Malibu home. And they come back after the premiere. And it's an hour and 46 minutes of two people talking. And they're, they're oh. waiting for the reviews to come out of his movie. Right. And first of all, they're comparing him to Spike Lee. But we don't know this guy. He's fictional. So we don't know if he's any good. We don't know about his work. Uh, he forgets to thank Zendaya. At the, <laughs> at the at the at premiere. the premiere and so she's a little hacked 
but she's also hacked about a lot of things. And uh, for instance, like he didn't cast her in the movie and they have all this relationship plus race comes into it. And they have this hour and 46 all through the night discussion but he's not real. My issue with it is it's a lot of navel gazing, a lot of navel gazing. And she's pretty to look at. And so is he. Yes. And they look fine. It's done in black and white of all things. Now, there, there are some movies that you don't need to watch, like My Dinner with Andre. You could just listen to that. Is this one of those movies that you could just listen to and not worry about the visuals at all? Yeah, except she makes Kraft macaroni and cheese for him. So um, that's interesting um, in itself. And so you will want to open up a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese after this. I don't want to have Kraft macaroni and cheese. No, thank you. I know. I haven't had it. Here is a a public service announcement for everyone because most uh, food banks get macaroni and cheese and they should not get macaroni and cheese because... You should not give, donate to like when your church does a food drive, don't donate macaroni and cheese because it does not help those people that need it. Because you know what the ingredients that are missing from macaroni and cheese are? Real cheese. and butter. So that, even though it's a dollar at the store, that's not what the majority cost of macaroni and cheese is. It's milk and butter. So what you should do is... Give better food to food banks when you're doing your charity. Don't give macaroni and cheese. I try to do that. Yeah, I know. I try to do like tuna and soup and good soup. Okay. Um, So did you like it or is it just a lot of time? I'm I'm, I'm on the fence now. A lot of people are raving. Some of the big name critics are raving about it because even though we're not allowed to have a review um, till February 1st, we are allowed to post on social media. So I saw... One person that's highly respected, J.D. Washington, gives a staggering performance. Okay, so I guess I have some issues with J.D. after Tenet. And, uh, you know, he was horribly miscast in Tenet. I don't think he sunk that movie, but he wasn't right for it. I The jury's still out with me on him because he was wonderful in Black Klansman. Yes, he Just was. dazzling. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, here he is. But, you know, his father is so revered and has two Oscars. And I think they have pushed him into parts that he is not ready for. And maybe he needs a little bit more seasoning. Maybe he needs to be on a procedural television show. But he was on Ballers for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I just don't like the Malcolm character. He's he's not he does not treat Marie well, even though he professes great love for her. She is really frustrated with a lot of his actions. And so to me, he's not that likable or maybe he's redeemable in this. I don't know. I was checked out. It had me till about midway and I'm like. Oh my God. And you're almost an hour in by then. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's also inside Hollywood and, and, you know, people in the biz, do we care? So it's a lot of that. And it's a lot of his, his uh, character, you know, because he's a black director and it's uh, Hollywood situation. All these white folks are, are fawning over him. 
and then the reviews start coming out and he starts screaming about him and stuff. So we don't, we just don't, we, first of all, they share some backstory, like she had a drug issue and he got her through it and stuff like that. But these people aren't that interesting for an hour and 46 minutes. And maybe I'm showing my age here, but I just, it wasn't like, Okay, if you know of the movie Frankie and Johnny and the Claire de Lune, yes, Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer, two damaged people falling in love on stage, that is a fantastic play. Audra McDonald and and Michael Shannon just did it on Broadway last year. Uh, Stanley Tucci and Edie Falco did it on Broadway and developed a relationship after that but anyway it's one of those where it works better as a play it works yeah it works better as a play and the two dynamic people keep your attention this story i felt just needed a little more meat to it it's a love story yes but it's a very tortured love story and their relationship uh is uh, i don't know but he just keeps yelling for her the whole time like if she walks outside he's like marie 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 you know and that i'm just like okay he's that codependent on her so so anyway but i know it's going to get great reviews and people are just going to rave about it and everything but that is my honest feeling i'll watch it next week yeah, and I would love to hear, Alex, your take on it and also yeah. you, Carl, because maybe I'm thinking, sometimes I overthink a film. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of overthinking a movie, did you have a chance to see Synchronic, Alex? I, no, unfortunately, I haven't seen it. I saw it and it's it's fine. You would really like it, actually, Alex, I think, just knowing how you um, like some movies. What is this come play that people are talking about and we didn't get a chance to see it? Uh, it's only out on uh, video on demand. I don't think it's out in theaters, but it's John Gallagher Jr. from The Newsroom and uh, oh, and also from Underwater last year. And Tony and, Winner for uh, Spring Awakening has as a yeah okay and uh, Jillian Jacobs from Community. It's a horror movie, and it's about an elementary student with autism, and there a monster uses our technology to come into the real world. So, uh, like, come play is in like playing video games and so he jumps from the virtual world to our world so i didn't see it a reverse jumanji or (laughs) i i don't know and isn't there a jumanji out now we've heard nothing about it um right i have no i have no idea i think i think it's in uh, when i go check the movie screenings uh it's on there it's it's another next level or whatever it is in Jumanji. Well, wasn't that the wasn't that the one that was with like The Rock and Jack Black a couple of years ago and one of the Jonas? Yeah, but this is a this is a um, sequel to that, and I don't know who's in it because apparently they haven't given us much information. But it is playing at theaters. Speaking of theaters, uh, the Metro East Illinois area has been upgraded to a better tier so they can 
have some more indoor things and O'Fallon Cinema opened again. It's owned by Marcus. So okay. people in Illinois, if they want to go to movies, they can. And uh, that's- And if you're looking for answers and if you've been frustrated by WandaVision, uh, you get a lot of answers and a lot more questions in episode four. Because let me just say that the title of episode four, Lynn, I was wrong with my prediction. But the title of episode four is We Interrupt This Broadcast. Oh, good. I can't wait. Um, that's my goal today. I need to, to watch. watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I, I just I had no idea Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen would be so fantastic together in comedic roles. Yes. Yes. And there's, well, this just gives a testament to how good they are as, as uh, actors. Uh, we had sad losses this week. We had Cloris Leachman who died at age uh, 94. The and winner of the most Emmys ever. Yes. And she won, and she won an Oscar for last picture show. Weren't we just talking about the last picture show? Yes. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Joshua Ray. Cause it's 50 years old. She is fantastic in that movie, The Last Picture Show, and it's a dramatic part. And she plays this uh, uh, kind of a plain, homely woman who's married to the local coach, and he's horrible to her. And she starts having an affair with the young um, student Timothy Bottoms plays. And then he decides to go for uh, Sybil Shepherd and drop the old lady. And... Uh, she has this great scene where she says, you can't even look at me. And it's, oh, it just breaks your heart. But she was a minor character in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is one of Butch's uh, trollops in the early scenes. And she had a long movie career till she got onto the Mary Tyler Moore show and played Phyllis, which but, is- But she also was in Young Frankenstein. She's the role in the hay. Yeah, well, Frau Blucher is probably her most famous part, if you think about it. She was, she's been acting. She was in that Raising Hope show, yeah. and yeah. Uh, she just has such a wide. She was Malcolm career. in the Middle's grandma, so she was with uh, Freddie Muniz, uh, Jan Krasinski, or not Jan, Jane Krasinski, and uh, uh, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. That's what. He's the dad. I forgot. Yeah. And then uh, she also uh, acted. She was at the Westport Playhouse. A friend of mine, uh, a colleague from the St. Louis Globe Democrat, said he went to interview her and she she was saucy. She was like, I'm not wearing any clothes under my robe. And he was like, Mrs. Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? You know, and it was fun. But she's just apparently she's just a hoot in real life and just really fun and just. What you saw is what you got, I think, with her. Act, acted till the end. Yeah, 94. Well, and then Cicely Tyson, who also passed away this week, she did an interview with Ryan and Mike, or with uh, Ryan Seacrest and Kelly Ripa the day before she died that aired the day after she died. Oh, my goodness. Well, she's one of the greats, one well, of the all-time greats. She was good for african-american women because she refused parts that demeaned african-americans she's like oh that that part makes us look stupid i'm not doing it and 
once she realized that she could do that, other people did that. And so Cecily Tyson was just classy. She was just classy. She was. I uh, will always think her best uh, work. Well, I mean, she did a lot of good work, but the movie Sounder 1972, she was nominated for Best Actress. Such a good movie. She's so good in that. That was her her only Oscar, you know, nomination, which I can't even believe. But she won two. She won a Tony for the trip to Bountiful. Yeah. And you can so see her in that part. Right. As the Geraldine Page part. And then she did the gin game, I believe, with James Earl Jones. And she did uh, the autobiography of Ms. Jane Pittman, where she was playing 115 years old. Yeah, well, that won her an Emmy and like every award. I remember when that came out, that won like every award. And she'll probably be known for that the most and people. But the the tributes that are coming out, I think she played Viola Davis's um, ma- mom with dementia on that. How to the, 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 the TV oh, uh, show. Uh, how to get away with murder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chandra yeah. Davis. Right. I know the Chandra rhymes. Right. With Viola Davis. Yes. So uh, she was so versatile, but good. She was married for a brief time to Miles Davis. Wow. Who was born in Alton and, and grew up in East St. Louis. Yes, we know. He's on the St. Louis Walk of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of my uh, uh, years ago in my previous life as a managing editor, one of my reporters, uh, his grandma lived next to Miles Davis's mother. And Miles would come visit and the little kids in the neighborhood would, you know, be like, uh, you know, all playing. And he said, Miles would like come over and go, hey, kids, you want some ice cream? <laughs> <laughs> Which I find so because, you know, that gravelly voice yep. and that and the little kids would, you know, like. But yeah, but no, he was like he would. He would offer the kids in the neighborhood ice cream. <laughs> And not in a not in a in not a, in a, a not a Miles Davis kind of opioid way. Yeah, That's and disgusting. but in a, but in a nice but in a nice gesture friendly way to the little kids in the neighborhood. So, well, Lynn, you have not let your contributors say much. I know, I, I, Alex. <laughs> tell us about yourself. Um, well, I graduated from Truman in May last May, I guess. And um, I've since started writing for Cultured Vultures, um, Pop Life STL. And I think my first article for the Indie Pendant, spelled like I-N-D-I-E Pendant, uh-huh. that cute. comes out today. <laughs> nice. Yeah, what is that movie? You said that we should watch this movie. What is that movie? Oh, I was going to ask you about that. Yes, it's a Hungarian film. I believe it's their submission to the Academy Awards, I think. It's called preparations to be together for an unknown period of time <laughs> that's wow. the title and it i'm reminded... sure i'm sure in, in hungarian it's something really sweet <laughs> yeah uh but it's a a pretty like haunting like unsettling film about love and obsession um it reminded me a lot of a film by like Krzysztof kieslowski like the protagonist of this film, Marta, I think her name is, she fits in with like all of like the three colors um, trilogy characters. Cause we're kind of, um, well, I guess I'll provide some background for the plot first, but 
So she's a neurosurgeon from Budapest who's living in the US. And um, so there's this like science conference that she attends in New Jersey. And she sees this other scientist named Janos, I think. And she like falls instantly in love with him, like without even knowing who he is really. So anyway, she becomes obsessed. And you can kind of infer that she has that obsession over him really quickly because of some event in her past probably. Um, so anyway, the two of them agree to meet in Budapest on like the, uh, is it the Liberty Bridge, I think? Freedom or Liberty Bridge? I have not been to Buda or Pest. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that is, that's the bridge that connects the Buddha and Pest. They're oh. actually two different cities and that huh. meets them in the middle. Yeah, so um, so Marta goes to, she just like kind of carelessly leaves her family behind in New Jersey and goes to Budapest to meet up with Janos, but he's nowhere to be found. And so then he con she contacts the hospital where he works and then Janos like denies ever meeting her before. So it's like, did Marta like imagine all of this like, bond that they had or is she being gaslighted and so she's kind of like wandering through the streets of Budapest like losing her grip on reality um just kind of unraveling before viewers eyes so the film does a really good job at establishing atmosphere and kind of establishing like a hypnotic flow where like we as viewers as well as Marta like can't always tell like what's real and what isn't and so it's another kind of mystery movie where <laughs> um we kind of have to infer a lot of things about the characters and so it's really kind of creepy um really like immersive i guess and then it kind of just falls apart at the end unfortunately I don't want to spoil too much but I was really let down by the ending and it kind of um, lessens my opinion of the film overall but like in terms of style like the film is absolutely worth watching and um, the main actor Natasha Stork who plays Marta is just really really good so thank you thank you I would have not have heard of this movie <laughs> I know I totally I was looking for my first article for the independent and I was like, I, I need to find some movie. And then I saw that title very, and I was like, this is this... very independent. <laughs> I was like, I have to check it out with that mm -hmm. weird title. So. And then of course it pissed you off at the end. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely worth watching. I think you guys would like it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, Alex has only been writing for my site for a couple months, but he has been doing kind of the more obscure films and uh i'm hoping he'll you know he'll get to be more uh um mainstream films too but what are some of the things that you have and by the way as an editor i so appreciate him because i have to do nothing to his copy <laughs> nothing which is so wonderful because as an editor for so many years you have no idea, Alex, the stuff you get from people. So bravo. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, what are, okay, what we always ask, Carl always asks people when they come on to guest, what would you recommend to people? What are you watching that people should see? Um, well, 
I did review the first three films in the Small Axe anthology series recently, and I, <laughs> I agree. I agree with you, Carl. I think you said that Mangrove is a much stronger film than Trial of Chicago Seven, and I it whole, is. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It and, is, Lynn. You have to see Mangrove. It is yes. so much better than Chicago Seven. I will once I get done with this award season because we're now on level two. I will. I promise. Thank you, Alex. But Alex, yeah, I asked him if he wanted to do those and he was like, yes, yes. Well, okay. And so I have not watched Red, White and Blue yet. Uh, oh, is that that's... is that the uh, John Boyega movie? Yes. Okay. And yeah, John Boyega, John Boyega is so amazing in that movie. It's, it's uh, quite sad. It's a bit of a downer, but it's really effective in its story um because yeah john boyega is joining the uh, local police force um so it explores like how he's kind of both like alienated within the police force itself and also by his community because he's um, west indian yeah and his father is like assaulted by the police as well so this kind of motivates him to join the force and because he really wants to change the system from within but you kind of get a a very visceral look at how difficult that is for just like one person to and we didn't talk with. about lovers rock but oh yes i, I think very it's different i think it's well done but i think it's a little overrated really i well it's it's all about the part that one party and and yes that one scene is amazing but it's uh i you know maybe i would appreciate it more if i was in the 80s or the early 80s late 70s in england and and i actually knew anything about any of those songs because mm -hmm. Lovers, everyone I was like, what is Lovers Rock? It's an actual type of music. And, yeah. and, and I'm like, that, why is there no apostrophe? Because Lovers Rock was, one, the name of a song, and two, uh, an entire style of music that I was unfamiliar. And so uh, it's it's good, but I think Mangrove, of the, of the two I have seen, I liked Mangrove the best. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like I almost like don't even want to compare the films because I feel like they the, are separate. They they, yeah. they have nothing to do with each other. Just the fact that they're in England and they're about uh, immigrants. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like, or I guess like um, the final film, Education, mm -hmm. is also really good. But that's probably that's like the shortest one, and it? it's only like sixty-five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Or I don't know. I, I don't want to I don't want to say that it's not as stylized as the others because I haven't seen it that recently. But I, I like how each of the films has a different kind of flow and tone to them. Um, were you a, were you a Steve McQueen fan before you watched them? You know, I think I'd only seen Widows previously, which I okay. wasn't that big a fan of. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't exceptional, but. Another play that was turned into a movie. Well, speaking of uh, uh, speaking of uh, plays or uh, or events, I want to say Coachella has been canceled. So has Stagecoach. Oh, no surprise there. 
But the Grammys were supposed to be tomorrow night and they have been postponed, but there hasn't been a new date, has there, Carl? I don't believe so, no. And they're going to try to do something with the Tonys before Broadway opens up, I heard. Well, people are really upset because they announced the nominations and there has been no ceremony or no virtual ceremony or anything. And they're like, do you think we're going to forget this? That, you know, that <laughs> you, you nominated just all these people. people. Well, what's so odd is there was only a limited amount of shows open. And for musical, they have nominated one person and that's Aaron. And I never know how to say his last name to vet to He is in Moulin Rouge. He was in Next to Normal as Gabe, if you're familiar with that. And he also was in um, the uh, movie Les Mis as, oh, who's the guy that's Marius's best friend? Oh, Enjolras, right? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he is the only nominee for Best Actor in a musical. Well, they're going to give him his award eventually. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how weird is that, you know? But anyway, uh, it's very strange in the theater community. They keep all, one thing is if you want to see some virtual theater, go to Playboy, uh, Playbill, Playboy, what? Playbill, Playbill. Lynn has just sent people to a pornographic website. Sorry. Playbill.com or broadwayworld.com and there's all sorts of virtual plays and entertainment and uh, whatever you want and there's little clips now of Lin-Manuel Miranda and his Tick Tick Boom which he's redoing that's the Jonathan Larson play our musical that was written before he wrote Rent and Lin-Manuel's putting his spin we have to wrap it up yes Real quick, the Golden Globe nominations are February 3rd, which don't is, care. I know, but m- movie people want to know. No, and, they don't. They don't care. Okay. The National Board of Review is out. The Strange List, the Independent Spirit Award nominations are out. AFI came out with their list if you want to see all that stuff. And I have to mention my experience this week with Andy Cohen's family. Yes, and, you wrote and, an article about Andy Cohen's because everyone knows Andy Cohen's from St. Louis and his family is still here. Yeah, well, he is on the show Finding My Roots, PBS. You can see it if you go to PBS. It's going to be repeated, I think, tomorrow uh, and multiple. And you can watch it on the video app. He is went to Clayton High and everybody knows it. And everybody thinks that he was just this watch what happens host for the last, you know, 10, 11 years. But he developed shows on Bravo that were some of my favorite shows. Project Runway, he developed uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. He did that million dollar matchmaker, which was so hilarious. He did all those plus all the Real Housewives. So that's what he's known for. But he was like an exec for 10 years before yeah. he started doing that stuff. And he also worked for CBS News for 10 years before that. So Andy has quite the history. Well, I talked to his mom, Evelyn, who is a wonderful person. And if you watch him on CNN on New Year's Eve, you always see his dad, Lou, and his mom, Evelyn. Anyway, he is he has roots from O'Fallon, Illinois, 
which are really interesting. And I got tipped off. So I did a big article about his family history. So you can go to bnd.com if you want to know more. So I have to plug that because it's really good. And I also uh, want to uh, just shout out to the people that helped me with my flat tire, the Pizza Hut on Hampton. They have now Detroit Pizza, guys. And Floyd of St. Louis Towing, I got to give a shout out to. So there you go. Well, I have learned learned today that I should shave before I do this because this makes me look like I have 17 chins. But Alex, where can we find you? We know that you're on Pop Life STL. We yes. know that you're on Independent. And um, Cultured Vultures. Cultured Vultures. I've heard of that one yes. as well. Lynn, where can we find you, young lady? I am in the Webster Kirkwood Times. I am on KTRS every Thursday evening around 10.30. Uh, Miller Furniture presents Lynn Venhouse at the movies. Goes to the movies. And I am here with you, Carl, every week. And we're going to have our 100th episode next week. Mm. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and you what else? Me, wait, yeah. you can find me at underscore Carl the intern on Twitter and Instagram where I can do my weekly, well, let's see, gamely. It's a, I guess it'd be gamely because it's not weekly because you don't know when the games are. There's going to be three games next week. The with They're going to have 1,500 fans there. Yay. So, and will you, will you play Country Roads? Uh, they did one game and then they lost. And then so they didn't play it the next game and they won. But now there are going to be crowds there to hear it and to sing along so i don't know we'll find out tuesday night tuesday is also 90s night so country roads is not a 90s song but we'll see what happens it's the first time there's going to be a more than a thousand people there so it will tuesday is going to be interesting because i've what only been not, playing music for the players what does 90s night mean oh it's because they're wearing the retro jerseys but they're the reverse retro jerseys they are red and blue. So the St. Louis Blues are going to be wearing red on Tuesday nights. It, it's, it's, I don't understand it. And I know a lot of people are nostalgic for that 90s jersey. It's the jersey that Wayne Gretzky wore when he was here. So it's a I big deal. I was just going to say that. Yeah. But well, thanks, everybody. Oh, and, thanks. <laughs> Go ahead. But Alex, you can follow Pop Life STL on Twitter at Pop underscore life underscore stl please please follow <laughs> all right i'm doing it right now yes he is my new social media manager for the site yay alex thank you so it. much thank you so much for coming on and next he was so worried he didn't see hardly anything this week and i said don't worry we'll get you in there when you have seen a bunch of oh, stuff don't worry yes and yeah, thanks for having me well, thank you so much. And Carl, you uh, take care. Thanks for everything you do. Everybody, wear your mask, social distance. Don't go in crowds. And please, for God's sakes, take care of yourself. It is real. You don't want this. Bye-bye. <laughs>